When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we've got another edition of the Deciding Point for all of you listeners, our breakdown of everything happening in the Division I college tennis world. Of course, if you listened to this podcast yesterday, you heard us offer our report cards for the top 16 Division I women's teams through the first third of this 2024 season. On today's episode, we want to do the exact same thing for the men. We are obviously now through the national indoors, and yes, we still have some non-conference battles ahead. We still have some spring break trips on on the horizon, but we are through the first third of the calendar. That's what the end of the national indoor signifies. So it feels like our sample size is now significant enough to offer uh, some assessments for how these teams have fared through the first third of the season. To keep things consistent, we're going to focus on the top 16 teams in the current ITA rankings. Yes, we are well aware there are some controversies surrounding this week's rankings. We are also well aware the ITA is doing their best to try and fix those as quickly as possible. That said, again, to keep things consistent, we'll talk top 16. We'll talk some honorable mentions as well. Look at the week ahead. We also do have some breaking news we have to discuss at the top of today's podcast. And joining me on the show to help do all of that, as he always does, is a man you all know best as the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks formula predictions never far from the listed UTR, a lean, mean Michigan Wolverine, the professor. It's Chris Halioris, soon to be Cracked Rackets producer, joining us on the show. Chris, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the podcast. We got lots to discuss tonight, but I want to start there first. I want you to know that super producer Daniel Westoff, upon working with you for five hours, goes, God, this is just going to be so great. And I go, what do you mean? Obviously, I'm a fan of yours, but I was curious what he meant. He goes, well, within... Th- 30 minutes of us working together, he was asking me why something was happening. And then he goes, you know, it's actually faster if you do it like this. To which I responded to him, well, Westoff, I told you this in December when we asked Chris to produce. He's going to have the broadcast working faster by the end of the season than it ever has before. It's the sneaky best part of having you as part of a growing member of our team. It's good to see you, my friend. How are you? I'm doing good. It's a good day to talk some college tennis. Wow. A jam-packed day with exciting things to uh, to talk about. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to get into it. Did you like the technology? What are your thoughts on our CR production? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, you know, 
you can't look any cooler than having this stream deck on your mm -hmm. desk with all these mm -hmm. buttons with all the school names on them and and people can just go wow that's cool what's that like yeah i mean it's just the cool factor but now, uh, not only did westoff make effective technology he made it aesthetically spectacular as well oh, like, there's yeah, nothing like better I, than like court six mississippi state logo <laughs> yeah it's just it's phenomenal but yeah it's a yeah, it's fun to get, uh, get a good look behind the scenes to see how all that stuff works. And, uh, and yeah, you got, I mean, Westhoff's obviously done a great job at putting all this stuff together. So yeah. it's uh, it's going to be a fun year. No, well, I appreciate your efforts in advance. Obviously looking forward to you expanding your role with us. And I would dwell on that even further, offer a sneak preview of what our coverage looks like moving forward. I will say we have matches Saturday, Sunday, and next Wednesday on ESPN plus Saturday, Oklahoma State, Sunday, I'm blanking on who it is. Next Wednesday, Ohio State at Baylor. That's going to be a fun one, obviously, featuring the National Indoor Champions. We'll talk about all of that, perhaps, as we look at the week ahead. But, Chris Helios, we have a lot to cover on today's show, so let's get to it. Let's start with some non-Division One men's 2024 results-centric news that we've received over the past week. It starts with today's announcement. It came around 3 p.m. today. Manny Diaz, the longtime Georgia men's tennis head coach, winning his coach in SEC men's tennis history. He's been part of six national championships, 29 SEC championships. He will retire after this 2024 season. Now, look, Manny's been on the job for over 30 years, and you knew his retirement was coming at some point in the next decade. A lot of people had talked about maybe 2026 when Georgia hosts the NCAA team event. Maybe that would be his last season. He announces now is the time, and whenever he felt was right, was always going to be the right time for Manny Diaz to step down. But let's be clear, this man has had as large of an impact on this sport as any coaching figure we have had within the sport. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, not just with the winning he's done on court, but the marketing he has done of this sport, the tennis community he has built in Athens. And there's no doubt that is the single most appealing job, in my opinion, no matter what conversation you have. I think every coach, or at least the majority, would say the Georgia men's tennis job is the premier job. Right up there, certainly UCLA, USC in the conversation, but I think Georgia's number one. And look, Jamie Hunt's a former player there, associate head coach, has done an outstanding job recruiting. He recruited so well that all of his guys are off in the pros right now. Like That's a testament to what he has done in his time on the job, and certainly he has to be considered the favorite to land the head coaching job the way they hired internally with Drake Bernstein on the women's side, perhaps indicative of that fact, but everyone's going to go after this job. Chris, that's something we can talk about in the future. The big note is you know, again, we lose one of the greats in Manny Diaz after this season. Your thoughts on his announcement? I mean, it's yeah, it, I'm happy for Manny. I'm happy for yeah. anybody that gets to retire. Although, you know, I don't sure I would love to retire from my day job. If I was coaching tennis, I don't know if I'd ever want to retire. This sounds like a great gig. But uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah. Well, Manny's let's be clear, though. The gig is changing, right? With NIL, <laughs> with expanded hours, with uncertainty about financing, what the future of college sports look like. It is changing times. Yeah, it, it is. And look, hey, actually, I can see him retiring. Maybe I should put it if I did what we're you and I are sitting here doing now for a yeah. living, then I would probably never retire. Amen, because, brother. look, I don't have to. I, yeah, I don't have to take care of all the budgets. I don't have to take care of the recruiting. I don't have to take care of the practices. I don't have to take care of the travel. 
we just get to talk smack about something we in reality know very little about but you know <laughs> but but no man manny's i mean he's a legend you're gonna see all the coaches coming out and 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 talking about it and I just, it's, it's been great watching them. Obviously I was very close for all the years that I was doing the road show in the, in the sec and getting to see them, see them play and loved watching he and his teams. And we are going to, I mean, we're going to sorely miss having, having Manny around. Uh, but you know, I'm sure I, I will say this, you, you, you let it off with, yes, who knows what's going to happen. I, I know nothing. This is personal opinion only, I will be shocked if that's not Jamie's job. So I fully expect that to see Jamie. They just signed Manny's contract extension. If that wasn't a sign for Jamie to go somewhere else when they did that, because, you know, oh boy, how much longer is it going to be? No, Jamie's, he's the company guy. He loves Georgia. He wants to be there. He's got obviously a big family that's there. And, uh, and after what we saw them do on the women's side with the coaching situation there, I, that's what I, that's what I expect to see. Do I know anything? No, but and Jamie is a great guy and a great coach, and I would be more than happy to see him in that position. I'm happy Manny announced this in February, so every school can honor him appropriately and accordingly throughout the course of this season. The only hope now is that this Georgia roster starts to get really competitive, and he can make one more big run because man, is Georgia fun when that team is clicking come May. And so it's massive news. We had to lead the podcast with it. Obviously, we are both wishing Manny Diaz luck in whatever he does next. And he is always welcome to come on this show this season or in the future. Other quick news, and I do mean quick. Oh, my God, is Jao Fonseca good. He makes quarterfinals <laughs> in Rio. His win over Arthur Fee. Yannick Sinner-esque on the backhand wing, Chris. And... Look, again, Alex Mickelson beat Demon Hour. It was a little bit of a schedule loss for the Rotterdam finalist, Demon Hour. But his weapons, he continues. He's top 75 in the world right now, Chris Helioris. Mickelson could have been at Georgia this year. Fonseca's supposed to be at Virginia next year. I mean, if that kid comes to college with how he was egging on the Rio crowd in these first two matches, oh, my God, will we be blessed. I don't know if it's going to happen, though, because this kid has to be on just the prospect list moving forward. Both of them. They're both very, very good tennis players. Yeah. How do you, I mean, a quarterfinal already in, in an ATP tournament? How, how does 500. He, how does he possibly come? I, there's just no way. I mean, uh, if, if, if Andres Pedroso pulls this off, it'll be bigger than anything he's done so far. If he actually just gets this kid to step foot on campus during the school year and rolled and show up for a practice. Like, I, I don't even care if he ever makes it to his first match. That that alone would shock me. But yeah, I mean, what a what a boon that would be if he gets it to happen. But yeah, he's good. You said Mickelson. Yeah, Mickelson should be in the quarterfinal too. Won the first nine games today and somehow lost the match. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, he's, he's on a roll as well at the, the level of just the youngsters in general that are all looking to come to college. It's yeah, it's a little unfortunate for us college fans that these guys get that, that run a year too early, uh, and we don't get to see them play college, but I, it's just more of what I expect to see coming. It speaks to how highly these players think of the collegiate level, how much they respect the level. I talked to Patrick Kipson on the Cracked Interviews podcast today. He talked about not just competing against Gojo and Nuno, who are both obviously top 100 players now, but even in Osama at Alabama, he was like, yeah, that guy was always just a miserable out. And, you know, again, 
the quality of player. There are top 500 players in the world littered on rosters everywhere. If if Fonseca, excuse me, joins college tennis, he'll be one of them. And we'll talk more about Virginia a little bit later. But yeah, just exciting results for players with college ties speaks to how highly the game is thought of now that those players both were considering college tennis and both show top 100 level already. With that said, Chris Alioris, let's offer out some report cards from the first third of this season. Again, we're going to go through the top 16 teams in the current ITA rankings. A, B, C, F. You can do A minus, A plus, whatever you want to do accordingly, Chris Alioris, but you have to offer each letter at least once throughout the course of our lists. Let's start at the top. Number one, Ohio State. It's an obvious A+. There's just nothing else you can give these Buckeyes who walk away, obviously, in dramatic fashion with the National Indoor Final. Chris, they have lost four of their five doubles points, uh, four of their last five doubles points. They've won all five of their matches. They are 13-0 and to start the season off to another ridiculous start. Only this year, there's a National Indoor Crown, their third in program history, and their seventh final to add to the mix. We haven't talked about the indoor final yet, so you can offer your thoughts here. Ugh, was that match exceptional? And to see Ohio State lose the doubles, you just thought, to see them lose at one with Fernley beating Kingsley in the fashion that he did, you just thought, there's no way they overcome this sort of deficit, lose three first sets as well. You know, Tomas Yurasek playing so well as he was at the number six spot. But these Buckeyes find a way to grind, Chris. Three, four, five, six. Anthrop over Gorsny, the swingy, decisive match that we're not going to talk about enough because of how good the drama was at five and six. It's an A+. This group has finally gotten the national title that they deserve. Like, they've done everything but. They've dominated January's pre-endorsed February's the last three seasons. Disappointing losses. Last year, 4-3 to Texas. The year before, 4-3 to TCU. That wasn't the case this year. They bounced back against a doubles point against Alabama. They dominate after losing the doubles point against Harvard. Their win of the doubles point in Virginia is what prevented that semifinal from being a shaky moment for the Bucs. And then the coup de grace, the piece de resistance, the comeback win for it to be cash, the fifth year of all people who lost, dare I say, that swing match to Max that I know Jong ultimately clinched in three against Van Enberg, but cash had four set points in that match against Louis Maxted, against that same opponent from a set down, playing such decisive, aggressive indoor tennis. Cash earns the clinch at five. A plus for the Buckeyes. Your thoughts on their first third of the season? Well, yeah, obviously, there's no doubt it's an A plus. I mean, you you covered the final pretty well. All I'll say, which I told you during and after the match, Bernie's not losing. It's just not happening. Like I'm still going to play him one through six. He only gets to play six. He's down a break in the third. He's still not losing. I, I stood by that. There, it just wasn't going to happen. And yeah, it came down to it came down to Robbie Cash. I think the. Uh, you know, I and I think we had talked about it ahead of time. To me, the swing match, if Ohio State won doubles, it was all in my mind, it was over. There's no way they lose after they lose doubles. Now, TCU has a chance. And that's and the swing match, I honestly thought was the Anthrop uh, match that I think, you know, we all 
I don't know. I think we would have probably slightly favored, you know, von der Schulenberg there. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's the, uh, to me, that was the, that was the swing. Uh, yeah. And, and I think that that's what, that's what took it in the, in the direction for, uh, for Ohio state and, and cash obviously had to do the job to close it. But I, I even down two Oh, after the quick, Fernley, you know, win. I still felt like there was a very good shot that Ohio State was was coming out. They're just so deep in singles right now. So two final things off of that, and then we can give you the final word. Move on to our next team. One, and you know, again, I think this is the most or the scariest part if you're a non-Ohio State program in that national championship hunt this season. They did not play their best in any match at this national indoors. They lost three doubles points. Obviously, that's indicative of the fact that they are not playing their best. But they're obviously flashed. They played elite singles against Harvard. They get the gritty win this program so desperately needed. And that's the other part here of part number one. You know, I guess there's three parts. This is part two. This program needed this win. And when I say this program, I don't need an Ohio State men's tennis. I mean this iteration of Ohio State men's tennis. Again, Kingsley, Boulay, Luchanig, Tracy, Cash. They had been overwhelming favorites at the National Indoors the last two years. They made the NCAA final last year. They weren't on the winning end of any of those events. They have now been on the winning end of one of those events. And the confidence you gain as a group, the belief this group will have in one another when their backs are now pushed against the wall. The thing they have always been accused of lacking is that ability to come back from that moment, come out swinging. They did exactly that in the indoor final. Bernie down an early break to Yurashek, even though you never doubted Bernie. Cash, how decisive, aggressive he was uh, at five. Look again, indoor tennis isn't outdoor tennis. They're two different sports, but this was unequivocally the best indoor team. The confidence they win from get from winning a national indoor championship, this group needed that. And, you know, again, they can still get better as well because they need to figure out their doubles lineups. And that's part three for you here, Chris, my final thought. And then you can have the final word on the Bucks. You want to hear my doubles lineup? I feel like we're now in a place where we can offer suggestions. You know what I mean? And so I want to offer you my top three in the doubles lineup. I think you go back to Cash and Tracy, your All-American champions at number one. Just I know Cash righted the ship. He gets the clinch he needed to get in that semifinal against UVA. Then he and Bernard looked really good at three in the final. Uh, Cash and Tracy back at one. Go with the weapons. Nakashima Boulay at the number two spot. And then give me the contrast of Luchanig and Kingsley, the reigning NCAA doubles champ Luchanig, the steadiness of Kingsley at three. I think I'd just go completely to the drawing board and say, why not try reimagine everything? No disrespect to Bernie, who played solid dubs down the home stretch. Anthrop, he's got the weapons. I don't know if he has the consistency quite yet to be a staple, given all the options they have. What do you think of that doubles lineup and final words on the Bucks' first third? Yeah, I don't, I don't hate it. Um, I mean, look, Bernie's definitely not a classic doubles player. The one thing that really helped him there though. And he's just a tennis player. Yeah. We we were playing a lot of one up one back uh, with Bernie. Right. But the thing that, that worked out really well for them against TCU in that match is he returned great. And he put returns down at the feet, uh, you know, of the TCU guys coming in and made it very difficult for them. 
but but yeah, I mean, if we want to go true doubles, yeah, we you probably take him out. I don't I don't hate your lineup. I'll say I also I must have uh, remembered back to your your episode where you offered up trades, and I somehow in my head must have traded von der Schulenberg for Gorsny in talking about who Anthrop played uh, because clearly he played uh, Seb Gorsny. But uh, yeah, I just no, I'm with you. I think I don't know that you know. One or two matches could be a blip, like four or five now seems to be more of a pattern. And I I do think you do something, whether it's, you know, completely mix the teams up, you know, just mix the guys up that are already in there. You, yeah, I think you got to do something. I don't think you can just stand pat on the lineup you've got because the, you know, the unfortunate part will be maybe if they just play a lot together you're, and, and maybe – coach tucker knows and thinks that's the case they will get better as the season goes to me the unfortunate part if you don't make the change now and it's not the right thing to do is there unfortunately for them are going to be a fair number of matches where they're just not going to be super competitive i mean they're just that much better than most of the big 10 when we get into big 10 season yeah they still have a good non-conference schedule but but once we get into the Big Ten and, you know, and you get past your, uh, you know, your Illinois, your Michigan States, your Michigans, it's starting to run downhill pretty quick after that. And and I would rather see you get a, you're, if you're going to go to new pairings, let's do it now. Let's not wait till we get another halfway through the season and figure out. All right. Now the pattern's there. Let's change things up. Yeah. Do it now while you've got some big matches coming up. Uh, you know, they. They look, they already know they're, they're top eight, you know, come May, they're top eight. It's already a given. They can do whatever the heck they want. Now, if you sure you want to chase an undefeated season, you know, just to say you're undefeated, fine. But if you're really just trying to make the team better and find out what you need to do, you can do whatever you want in any of these matches. It doesn't even matter if they lose one, they're top eight and they're going to be hosting all the way to the final site. And that's all that matters. They lost Trotter still Better than everyone this past weekend at four, five, and six. Buckeyes, your 2024 national indoor champions. TCU is definitely an A. Is it an A or an A minus, Chris Halley? Or as you look at the Horned Frogs, nine and one to start their season. Obviously, national indoor finalists for a third consecutive year and a heartbeat away from a third straight national indoor title. Wins for them over Arizona State, Texas A&M, Wake Forest on their way to that final. They also have wins over Tennessee, Michigan, Stanford already this season. Fernley was. 3-0 with match points in his fourth match over Murphy Cassone on the weekend. JPJ, I mean, his performance against Suresh in the semis, how steady he was down the home stretch against Boulay. Yes, there were some breaks, and Boulay had some chances, but you knew JPJ was getting through that one in straights, and he is just the beating heart of this TCU team. It's why, despite losing players of Jong Fumba's caliber, they have an edge to them, a noise, an extra 10% that I didn't recognize before. And again, Yurashek has won some massive matches at six already this season. You know, he's right there with Bernie in that final, but he clinched over Tennessee, clinched over A&M. Maxted, that's his first loss at a national indoor, second indoor loss overall. They have real pieces. They won the doubles point against Ohio State. They were right there. They, you know, again, had a 3-1 lead for a healthier 3-2 lead with two third sets on the line. And Buckeyes were just a little better down the home stretch. The Vez outdoors, better chance against Tracy, no doubt about it. 
this team is national championship good. That's why for me it has to be an A because I underrated them to start the season. They belong firmly ensconced in the national indoor inner circle, uh, national, excuse me, championship inner circle. I'm going to go solid A. The only reason it's not an A plus is because they didn't win the final. Yeah, there's no way it's an A minus. I mean, what else yeah. do you? The only thing they didn't do was win the indoor final that they, you know, had a lead in with three, you know, three points on the board. And and you know, any coach will take any coach will take two two three setters and a three two lead. I mean, that's sure against the number one team in the country. Yeah, give it to me. I'll take it right now. Uh, yeah, firm solid solid A for these guys. And I think you know to your point. The o- the only spot that I was you know have had questions about on really in in the entire lineup is what they're going to get at six from Yershek and he looked great uh, you know yeah he laid one egg but uh, you know in the in the match here I how you know like I said Bernie was going to win I was convinced Bernie was going to win the whole way but there were times where I was like golly Bernie you're gonna you're gonna make this I'm like, it wasn't that he was making it hard. Yurashek was making it hard. He was playing fantastic. And uh, and if that's what they're going to get out of out of Tomas Yurashek this year, they're going to be a ridiculously tough out. They, you know, I I'm, I would go so far as to say that they may not other than say a Texas match, you know, may not have too many chances at losing for the rest of the year. It's they're they're that good. So solid A, no doubt. I think this is also a team that will clearly get better outdoors. Vez, you could tell from flushing to Columbia, the courts got slower. He got more effective. He's only going to be better when things move outdoors. Gorsny, that Anthrop match was weird. And I just think if you're projecting that one moving forward, Gorsny has more options available to him. He played really defensively in that match. I didn't understand it, but... Yurashek, you can't ask him to play better than he did against Bernie. I think on average, he'll be better outside, but... So will Bernie. So again, if you're projecting that matchup particularly, I don't know if you project a change there. Fernley and JPJ are just unreal everywhere. But I do think this team, they're clearly improving in doubles. There's room for them to continue to get better as well as Max said. Yurashek get more and more comfortable. It's a smack dab A to start their season. Number two in the country for a reason. Firmly ensconced in that national championship inner circle. Next up, Chris Hallioris, number three, Wake Forest. It's been a great start for the Demon Deacons. You look at what they've been able to accomplish so far this season. Wake Forest overall on the year coming off of their national indoor semifinal appearance. Now 9-3. and three. Losses to Tennessee, Ohio State, TCU. Those are all top five teams right now. They have wins over Columbia, South Carolina, Michigan, Arizona, Illinois. You know, and a win that is certainly aged well. Illinois is 11 right now in the rankings. We'll talk about them a little bit later. They have real options everywhere. You know, again, Maroney, that you feel maybe shakiest about him at the one spot compared to anyone else in the lineup, speaks to Suresh is awesome. And I don't know if they don't switch spots at some point in the lineup. With Suresh's weapons, he can beat anyone on any given day. And man, is Maroney a really tough out at two. I actually think he's better there than one other than sometimes the theory of if you can play them and it's the same effectiveness wherever, why not play them at the higher spot? I think you'd switch that for Suresh and Maroney, you know, Taki on the right day's forehand is going to beat anyone. Thompson, he's aggressive. He has the right energy. Obviously, Coons, Powett, six, five and six. The lefties, they're so solid. Team's always going to be in good in doubles, coached by Tony Bresky. It's a good team. I don't know if it's firmly inner circle good. They are certainly top eight good. 
they will push Virginia for that ACC title. Your thoughts on their first third, Chris? Yeah, I think in in giving a, a report card grade, I find it hard for some of these teams to you know to give a blind grade. And what I mean by blind is forget what your expectations were or who the team is that is playing and and look solely only at the results. Like if I took this list of results and I said, these are the results for Wake Forest, or I said, these are the results for Ohio State, I don't think I can give the same grade because of what my expectations were. Based on my expectations, they get an A. If I was going to say, oh, but I'm grading you on a top five team coming into the year, then I'd probably give them a B, right? I mean, they've lost three matches, but they've lost those three matches to number one, two, and whatever Tennessee is, six or seven, right? Uh, I mean, it's it they, they have not lost to bad teams, obviously. But my expectation for this team was not anywhere close to that. So for that reason, I say solid A. I mean, wins over South Carolina, over Columbia, over Illinois, over Florida, over Arizona. I mean... I would, you know, I would have maybe given them a half of those in the preseason. So, so for me, a clear A. I'm with you. I I would not mind seeing them. I love DK Suresh's game. I wouldn't mean mind seeing them flip that, uh, especially given I think the struggles to the to this point that Maroney's had at the one spot, uh, and see if maybe Suresh can fare better up there. Um, I think it's going to be tough for them. I I. You know, you asked me this question uh, on on one of the shows we did previously. Can are they going to push Virginia? Are they going to push a fully healthy Virginia? I I honestly don't think so. They're clearly the second best team to me in in the ACC, uh, and I think on any given day, yeah, they they could push Virginia over the long haul. Though a fully healthy Virginia team is just, I think, that much better. But you know. I won't be shocked if they're right there. If we end up with a regular season match that is to decide the conference tar- the championship, if you will. Maroney, Taki, Coons, Powell, all going to be better outdoors, clearly. Um, yeah. Again, I don't know if this team is going to beat Ohio State TCU. If I, I certainly would favor the other sides, but it seems a really tough out everywhere. And I do think preseason expectations matter. And you thought if Adrian Boyton gets eligible, now this team is really frisky. They're really frisky even without him. And if somehow he becomes eligible, they're in the national championship conversation. That's just a big somehow. This is a really good team. They've exceeded expectations. A, A minus. I lean more towards A. Next up, Chris Helioris, number four, Columbia. Here's the thing. Number four, highest ranking in program history. They're eight and two overall. They've beaten Tennessee. They go two and one the indoors, wins over Alabama and Duke, you know, win over NC State that's aged well given the success the Wolfpack have had. Here's the thing. If you asked Coach Endelman, there's not a doubt in my mind. He says you can trade NC State and the Tennessee win for a first round win over Harvard on that Friday night. Would you take it? He would without question say yes, because to have that opportunity to play in front of that crowd on that event in the new facility, the grandeur of it all, and a shout out to the Columbia staff. They were as gracious. That was as good of a national indoors experience as I have ever had, and it's not just because I was so extraordinarily well-fed. 
But that's the match they wanted more than anything. And look, this team is really good. With wins over Tennessee, NC State, Alabama, Duke, like they're going to unequivocally be in the top 16 hunt. And look, if they beat Harvard at the Ivy Leagues, that then Harvard's win over Columbia actually helps Columbia long term because the points are spread. They still have matchups with Pepperdine, UCLA, Northwestern on the schedule. It's either B plus or A minus. I'm curious where you go, Chris Helioris. Yeah, I you know, this is a tricky one because based on expectations, do I expect them to be number four? Absolutely not, which kind of wants you to say, well, you, you got to give them, you got to lean towards the A, right? But, you know, there's something that like that loss to Harvard, I just, I didn't see that coming for sure. I mean, Harvard, I thought was not, they weren't in the best form. Columbia was rolling coming off of a great win at home. Uh, over Tennessee, but, you know, and obviously, uh, you know, the hidden duel with North Carolina, the win over, over North Carolina, everything looking good, but it's not, I don't know. I I haven't been that, I haven't been a impressed. I'm going to, I would go with like a B plus here. I, I'm just not quite there. I was solidly in the A camp if they beat Harvard as I expected them to. And look, they may have wanted that match. They just wanted a drumming from Ohio State is what they were asking for. It was going to happen to whoever won that match. But yes, I would have loved to see it, especially with the home crowd. I, I, and maybe I think the other part of it is, yes, yeah, sure, they it is. It's Tennessee that, that to me that's that that big big win, little tight with North Carolina State. The rest of the schedule, you know, the lost awake, not as strong as some of these other schools have played yet. And so I think they're the lack of just too many of those super good. I mean, super great wins, obviously over, over Alabama uh, and Duke, you know, blanking them both. I don't know. I just can't get away from saying, yeah, B plus. A minus would be the grade because of how they rebounded four Oh wins over Alabama and Duke. That's exactly what you'd ask for. This team knows their top five. You know, again, Zhang, the Kotsins, um, Hashimoto, and I apologize, I'm blanking who plays four, but whoever their four is also should certainly be at that number four position. It's not Westfall, is it? Uh, It's exactly Westfall. That's exactly who it is. That's their top five. Who's six? They've had a couple guys who have had some success, but I still think they're waiting for that to break out. I think they're still trying to figure out their best doubles point as well. This team is top eight good. They can beat anyone on the right day. And again, to bounce back four O's the way they did, particularly impressive. I agree. That Harvard match, it's unequivocally in the A range. They lost that. So I'm going to say B plus, but the highest possible B plus. And maybe when we curve everything at the end, it ends up as an A. Number five, Chris Hallioris, the Tennessee Volunteers. You know, considering one of their top 10 newcomers didn't end up showing up to school because he was too successful in the pros, continuing that theme we've seen of late. Tennessee's 9-3 and three overall, wins over Wake, Michigan, Oklahoma, USC, and Harvard in what was a 2-1 and one weekend for them at National Indoors. Now they lose 5-1 to Virginia, but they win the doubles point in that match. You know, Rodash beats Monday in a three-setter. Von der Schulenberg, three sets over the freshman Apple Tower. Monday and Mitsui looked as good as any one-two pairing at the National Indoors. They're working in two, really three new pieces in Lee, 
Apple Tower and the freshman Pajanko, who had his first tough weekend, but welcome to National Indoors. That will happen to any freshman. What's their letter grade, Chris Hallioris, in your mind? I I mean, I think I'm going to, I don't think I can do anything but give them a solid B. It might even be a B minus if I was giving grades. Really? I mean, yeah, look, they 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 look they look good, but you can't just lose to Virginia five one, lose to Columbia four one, and expect you're going to get something better than that. I'm not going to give them a C. I mean, look, they've got they've got some good wins on uh, on the schedule too, and I think they have looked. You know, I, a lot of this to me is eye test. They've looked really good. They've looked the part. I think they can actually challenge some of what I'm going to call the top four. And obviously they're not the top four right now in my head. They're still the logical top four. I think they, you know, which is to me that inner circle of teams that are favorites for that national championship. I think that they do have a shot uh, to get in that circle. Um, And, you know, they played a, a tight one with TCU. They looked good over USC in the first round. They looked good in the win over Harvard. Frankly, they looked decent until they just couldn't close anything against Virginia. And that was the killer to me is, man, just no no closers. They, they just couldn't get it done anywhere. But still a firm B for me. That's why it has to be a B. Yes, they didn't close. But this is still a new team relatively. Yep. Like we know Mitsui, Monday, and Diaz. But this team hasn't had those sorts of moments together. And they got it in that Virginia match where it was much more competitive than the 5-1 final scoreline. This team is top eight good. They are the favorites right now in the SEC with how they've started their season. You can't have anyone lose to someone serving underhand. That it was a freshman maybe makes it a little bit more palatable. But that's really tough to have happen to this Tennessee program still. I think if you would have told Coach Woodruff Mackay after they find out Pykowski wasn't coming, hey, you're going to go two and one at the indoors, I think they would have taken that, particularly with how soundly they looked in their round one victory over USC, albeit an astonished list USC. They just looked like the clear top eight team, front runners, which is always a good thing to look at a national indoors. Uh, I'll go B, I'll go firm B for Tennessee. Number six is probably the most fascinating team in this conversation. It's Kentucky. They're 9-2 and two overall. They're number six despite not making the national indoors. Now, helps that they had wins over teams in the field. Virginia 4-3, Harvard 5-2. Obviously, some circumstances surrounding a Rodesh Montezless Virginia, but they were missing some pieces as well. That 4-3 win in Champaign has certainly aged well for Kentucky. Even their loss to Alabama 4-2. Alabama looked really good at national indoors. We'll talk about them in a little bit. Chris Halioris. They're working in some freshmen. Lapidot's been up and down in the top spot. You know, again, I don't know where their four are coming from, but they're always competitive. Obviously, tight loss 4-2 at Duke as well, the other match I didn't mention. Where are you with Kentucky through the first third? You're probably not going to like this. I give them a C. Okay, now we're talking. Remember, you got to give every letter grade at least once. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going to give them the C. Look, nothing... Solid win over Illinois. Solid win over Louisville. I mean, best win, you know, Harvard. The the Virginia match is just so, it's so tough to call. Look, I, I can't give a huge amount of credit. Obviously, you beat Virginia. Okay. But like you said, no Rodesh, no Montez. You're not going to get like 
the the serious serious credit there for the great win but the two losses man i mean the the loss to to duke and the loss to alabama are to me just sort of you know head scratchers in there that i just i can't get over it and go yeah you're still, I'm still giving you a b even after that no if you lose to virginia and and maybe illinois in there or or and that might be the only way after two losses that I would have said, all right, I still give you a B. The, the losses where they lost them, I give them the C. And I think primarily in my head, it's because of the top of the lineup right now. And it's not where I expected to see the issues. The bottom of that lineup has looked outstanding. You know, the that the four, five, six, it was and it was basically the only way, the only pathway I saw they were going to give Duke a chance to win the match, and Duke went out and won doubles one, two, three. And you just can't go lose doubles one, two, three to a team like Duke and think that your four, five, six are going to carry you all year. Because if that's what you're counting on and that's what you're doing with Duke, you're not beating any top team with that. I go B minus. There are so many new guys in new places. Lapidot, body, top two. That's not where they have been asked to be. They're also the senior leaders now. There's no outside personality in a Draxel, a Diallo, a Hurrian, an Ieni to lead this group. Like They have to do it in a way they weren't asked to do so before. Weeks, Kosne, same thing. All the freshmen still working their way in as well. And they've looked really good at those five and six spots. Like This team has talent. They have depth. It's just figuring out where everything fits, how to balance that rhythm from start to finish in a match from everyone. Brutal that they didn't make the national indoors, especially given how they followed it up with wins at Illinois. Again, that's a national indoor quality win, and yet they couldn't beat Alabama at home. That knocks them down a letter grade right away because this team is extraordinarily talented. Chris, they're six in the rankings anyways. That's a win in itself, given all the new pieces, new faces. And so, like, if I would have said, hey, you're six in the rankings – after the national indoors to Cedric in January, he would have been like, I'll take it. That's a good place for us to be. And that's why it can't be a C. That's why it has to be in the B range. Did I convince you? No. Okay, fair enough. Then we'll disagree there. Another fascinating team on the horizon here, Chris Halioris. The number seven Virginia Cavaliers. Quick tangent. My little brother and I have a proposition. He wants to call freshman Dylan Dietrich, who he's all in on, the Eagle. Because Dietrich enlacing one of his many laced forehand winners. And this guy, size, speed, talent, energy level, cra- the craziness you love out of a college tennis freshman, just youthful exuberance, rips a winner, flaps his wing like a bird at his sideline. Nick Ruskin suggests we call him the Eagle. Virginia listeners, players, coaches, fans, anyone who tunes in, I'm calling him the Eagle moving forward. Like It's just a thing. Obviously, this Virginia team's confounding. They're eight and four overall. A lot of those losses, Sans Montez, Sans Rodash, Montez still serving underhand, and yet they were frisky against those Ohio State Buckeyes. They win the doubles point. Who knows what happened in that match? And with an underhand serving Montez, they came close to doing it. Someone on this show said, I'm going to rank them number one all year long until May anyways. That person was you, Chris Halioris. So you're the definitive take here. You're great for the first third for the who's. Yeah, I really, I would really want to give them a C because of the four losses, but I'm at the same time going to take everything in context. And with what I will call no Montez, the underhand serving Montez to me doesn't even count if you can't beat him. Like, whatever. 
I, I, your team deserves to underhand serve you at practice uh, all year long, just for the, you know, just for the shame. Uh, and because I know that they've been missing, you know, Rodesh for some of these and Montez for everything, and they've done what they've done still, I'll, I will say a B minus. And also part of that is, I think the way they performed uh, at indoors, it was to your point, that 4-0 loss to Ohio State was not a 4-0 loss, right? That was that, that was very. Uh, oh, was it 4-1? I believe so. I it was 4-0. You're correct. I'm wrong. Apologies. Hand up. Yeah, it, but it, it was as as close to being you know a 4-3 match yeah. as we're going to get there for a for a 4-0. But uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think I'm going to discount a couple indoor losses to Ohio State for them that didn't have Montez. Uh, I won't count those too heavily. The same thing with the with the Kentucky match. Uh, you know, they did pick up a nice win on the road at Texas. They look good. I'm still, I still scratch my head a little bit at the South Carolina, given where, you know, that hasn't aged overly well, right? That's the one that bugs me more than any of them because even short Amantes, no, they should not have lost that match. I want to knock them more. I still can't. They look great at indoors. They got me right back into the point where if we if May was tomorrow and Montez was healthy, I'm probably picking them. Uh yeah, wins over Texas, Tennessee, and Duke, and they haven't been healthy yet this season. Like it's a good spot for them to be. The real grid is incomplete because we still have no idea what this team ceiling is. We started to saw see a much closer look towards it at the national indoors, but wait till Dahlberg Kiefer get outside. Like that's a big difference for this group. And again, Rodesh was so good all weekend long. You just feel like he is never gonna lose in a big spot. Montez is their beating heart. This team wins the NCAA tournament only if he is healthy and at his best or certainly in the lineup for them. You hope he gets healthy because if he is healthy, we have some really, really, really good teams, and that will just make May an absolute delight. Where are you with Harvard, Chris Hallioris, a group that finds itself at number eight? Two top eight Ivy League teams. Harvard, seven and four overall. Their national indoor experience, the big win over Columbia, then tough losses to Ohio State, Tennessee, respectively. They got wins over UCLA, Michigan, Northwestern, NC State as well. The loss, obviously, to Memphis, the confounding one. You know, at Kentucky, whatever. Ohio State, Tennessee, no shame there. This team's really good. Obviously, Cooper Williams, his match against Michael Zhang, as high a level as we saw anywhere during the national indoors. Von der Schulenberg, Malofsky, Jatchuk, 2-3-4. That's a real 2-3-4 middle of the lineup. They still have questions 5 and 6. But look, they took doubles against both Columbia and Ohio State. That's something for Coach Rube to build off of. The Memphis loss prevents it from an A, and it was 1-2 and two overall. But they got the massive win over Columbia to kick things off. I'm going to go B plus for the Harvard Crimson. What say you? Ah. Uh- you, you talk, so you, you talk about the, take the Columbia win out. And I know you can't take it out, but take the Columbia win out. What's their next best win? You, that's a good question. NC state. I mean, yeah. I mean, and it's not like it's, you well, know, it was a Nino Michigan, which is just worth saying. Yeah. It's definitive, right? I mean, it's not definitive, but yeah, you have a Nino Michigan, you have NC state, 
You have UCLA. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm not quite sure how good this team is. Just that there's Ohio no, State single sticks in my mind. Yeah, there's just nothing. There's nothing there for a great win over Columbia. But, you know, they turn around and offset the great win over Columbia with whatever they did at Memphis. And I, I just don't – I don't – there's not enough good there yet for me. I know they're ranked high. I thought they – preseason, I thought they were better than Columbia – uh, I think the roster, honestly, I think the roster's better than the Columbia roster. I expect more out of these guys for what they've done to date. I'm just going to give them a ho-hum C. They beat Columbia, and yet I think Columbia's top eight good. I don't know if Harvard is yet. They're absolutely top 16 good. This is a really solid squad. Are they great anywhere yet? Still remains to be determined, but again, they're number eight in the country right now, and that's where an Ivy League team needs to be after this stretch if they want to compete for a top eight seed. They still have Pepperdine, UCLA, Northwestern on their schedule. Obviously, that matchup at Columbia as well. If they can get a second win there, that's probably for a top eight spot. Next up on our list, Chris, number nine, Arizona. Now, you know, again, you look at the overall record for Arizona at the National Indoors, 2-1 and one overall. That alone should ensure this team's an A. The fact that they beat Texas 4-2 in the fashion that they did. You know, again, this team now, what, 7-2 and two overall on the season. I mean, Legayev has been a real piece for them to round out a top five. Still looking for answers at six, but the energy they play with, the know-how and the continuity in this lineup, Hoyer all at five, the weapons he plays with, to quote Nick Gruskin, just a joke. Jay Friend is real. Like, again, the level he can hit, it's a little streaky, but God, can he rip winners. And they got a signature win. They beat Texas in the round of 16. That's the one thing this group hadn't had yet after knocking on the door for so long. You want to say A- minus instead of A because it was kind of, I know the final score was, what, 4 Two against Wake Forest. I, I can't say it was lopsided. And then they beat AM 4-1. There's no case for anything but an A, Chris Alliors. Their losses are to Wake. Yes, 4-3 at San Diego, but whatever. It's an A. Yeah, I mean, and the San Diego loss has aged well. That's the only one that would try to get you off of an A, but sure, given, I mean, given where we thought they were coming in, given where they were even coming into indoors as the 14 seed, and and knocking off Texas abs yeah they i they've got to be an a they're certainly do it you know above expectations i don't i don't find a whole lot of fault in that san diego you know that's sure that's a match you want to win but a 4-3 loss there and a loss to wake and that's it great win over texas good win over a&m good win over baylor i mean yeah i it, they're an a Arizona's got a full Pac-12 schedule left, but Chris Hallior is looking at the rankings right now. Arizona State's 22, USC's 29, Stanford 34. Does Arizona have a path to the top eight? Do they have to go undefeated in Pac-12 play? Like, yes, they have the win over Texas. That will continue to age well. Pac-12's in a tricky spot. What's Arizona's upside moving forward, your mind? Yeah, it's going to be tough. A lot of that is going to be predicated on the fact that they need they need Baylor to beat Ohio State okay let's not get carried away well I mean it is at Baylor so it could be outdoors and uh and that could you know throw another interesting challenge in the but no I'm saying that's how dire situations are like that's what they need to be rooting for well and and they're gonna need to beat 
Stanford at home and they're going to need Stanford to actually start playing like we know Stanford can with the players they have. Uh, because you mentioned what, you know, however far down they are 34, I think you said, uh, that's just, you know, they need Stanford as a, you know, f- knocking on the top 10 type thing and having a win over them. They're going to need, you know, it's going to be unfortunate that, you know, Steph's going to be out for USC for who knows how long I would say probably a good month, four or five weeks before he comes back. And so that things aren't probably going to get a whole lot better there for them, that's not going to help them any. It's really tough. There's just there is no meat on the bone in that Pac-12 schedule for them. It's it, it's you know I hate to say it can't happen, but you're probably right. They probably have to run the table if they are not a top eight seed. That is the team right away. I can tell you right now, you want to face least in the round of sixteen. They almost went to Columbus and won last year. They just beat Texas at the national indoors. That's number nine Arizona, perhaps coincidentally or. Fittingly, up next, number 10, Texas. This is where the F has to come out because this is a team preseason we talked about, maybe an unequivocal pool of talent on the roster now. Eight and two overall, 4-3 loss to Virginia, opening match of the season, 4-2 loss to Arizona. Arizona had played St. John's. They were more comfortable with the environment. You know, Texas fought their tails off after being down, what, doubles and five first sets. Almost snuck that match out. The way they bounced back, 4-0-5 over Michigan, South Carolina, respectively. Why this team's an F is you just have questions still about them in a way you thought you would never have questions. And we both, by the way, have to use the F at least once. So this is where you have to sneak it in. Like, again... Everyone but Micah Braswell has had moments of doubt other than uh, Micah and Elliott at one and two. But like PYGA, they're not playing their best yet. Waldeep's been banged up. Harper's been in a lot of really close matches, but they haven't quite been going his way. Jonah hasn't quite been playing his best. Lucas Brown's balling, but doubles points not where it needs to be either. It has to be an F, right? Just given the preseason expectations, given the fact they lost round of 16 at the National Indoors. Like, yes, they go 2-1 and one overall, but this team had no business being out of the main draw, never playing at Columbia over the course of the weekend. I mean, I had to look at the top 16, Gruskin, to say, where am I giving my F? And I'll be honest, this was my first inclination but it's just not an F. I'm not, I'm not going to do it here. Like, yes, have they underachieved compared to what I think they should have done? A hundred percent. And if you said A, B, C, and F, if you let me have a D, I'd probably give them a D. I can't give somebody an F that's, that's beaten Stanford, beaten Florida, beaten Michigan, beaten South Carolina, beaten Oklahoma State. I, I can't say you're an F and only lost two matches who, by the way, were two you know, Virginia and Arizona, not horrible. Yes, again, an undermanned, you know, Virginia team, if you will, with no Montez. But I, with all of those wins, yes, I know it's not, it's, we're not talking about a number 15 team getting those wins. We're talking about Texas, who we thought was a top three team, get, you know, getting those wins and losing the two matches. But it's still not that bad that I say it's an F. I will reserve my F for another team, and I will give them, since I can only go down to the C, I'll give them the C. All right, fair enough. Again, I just have a lot of questions about the Longhorns that obviously they have plenty of time to answer, and 
you have no, you know, again, they still are in the national championship conversations. Too talented, too early to think otherwise of this group. But we got a lot of teams left. So two minutes or less for the rest, Chris. Rapid fire through the rest of our teams. I have some other honorable mentions as well. Number 11, Illinois, not at the national indoors. Five and two overall, wins over UNC twice, Duke as well. What's your grade for the Illini so far this year? Yeah, I'll I'll give Illinois a solid B. Look, I mean, they've got a couple wins over, over North Carolina, win over Duke. A little concerned at the tight nature of the Notre Dame match. Uh, a loss to Kentucky, a loss to Wake Forest. Obviously, a couple teams that were in the in the top six here. Uh, can't fault them for those. Uh, I think a good solid B. This team has options everywhere. They're one through six deep, and if Ozalans, Heck can continue their level, Miyoshi, Okonkwo, et cetera. They have the right energy. They're playing loose. They're playing free. This team is off to a solid start. Yeah, B, B-plus range for sure. How about Texas A&M? One and two overall, but they did make the quarterfinals of these national indoors. They got there as well. Um, you look for Texas A&M. What's their record right now overall? According to the ITA website, Texas A&M, seven and two overall right now. Wins over South Carolina, UCLA, Georgia, Auburn, uh your thoughts on the Aggies? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I've got to go. I mean, I almost, I almost wanted to say A, but you can't just finish with back-to-back losses at indoors and and come out with an A. But they've been impressive. Look, getting out of getting out of kickoff with wins over Auburn and Georgia at Georgia. And then, I mean, an absolute look. I we expect them to beat SMU. I did not expect them to beat SMU seven zero. That was very, very impressive. A solid, solid four one win over South Carolina at indoors. That's all. Like to that point, we're an A. You lose to TCU, whatever. You're going to lose to TCU. I think you're still an A. Then you lose to Arizona. Yes, not a bad loss at all. But you can't come out of out of there with back to back losses as an A. I, I'll say they're they're a B plus. Yeah, this is a really solid group. They're in the top sixteen hunt. You didn't know that about them before the season. That is better than expectations. I'm say solid B plus. I agree. Uh, let's go to Duke next. Fascinating team to discuss because again, big picture, they got back to the national indoors, eight and four overall, one and two overall there, but do get a win over SC. They have a win over Kentucky, a win over NC State so far this season. Good win over a solid VCU squad. You know, again, they've also struggled in places you feel like they're going to get better. Rodinus has had a, a struggle to start his season, yet the Krugs have been better. Feels like they found something in the freshman Visser at six to build off of moving forward this year as well. What are your thoughts on the Blue Devils so far, number 13 right now in the rankings? Yeah, this is one of the teams I'm, I'm most puzzled by, right? Yeah. They've been all over the map. And if you're just going to be all over the map, I think I'm just going to give you a C because I don't know whether I want to give you an A or an F. You could be either on any given day. I mean, I really liked uh, what they what they did against SC, granted a short-handed SC at, at indoors. Um but yeah, how do you how they lose a four three match to Northwestern? I just I, I don't get. They lost you know and then they've got a loss to Illinois, but some great wins right NC State, Middle Tennessee, Kentucky. Ah, I just don't know what to make of them. They they op- we talked about it their very opening weekend when they played a couple four three matches with VCU in Princeton. Uh, 
I, I don't know what to make of them. And I'm definitely not sold on the bottom half of the lineup for this group yet. So for that reason, I'm, it's just a C. Has to be B minus for me. The biggest goal for this group, other than top 16, top eight seed, make the national indoors, get through kickoff weekend. They did that. Now they dropped the stinker against Northwestern. So it can't be anything higher than a B. They got to win at the National Indoors. It sucked that they drew Virginia because, again, that's just a team that knows them so well. And so their continuity, their experience didn't play any sort of role given that particular opponent. I'll go B- minus overall for the Duke Blue Devils, who, again, 13 right now in the hunt where they want to be floating on that top eight. Where, again, if they beat a Wake Forest team, they're back in that top eight conversation. They did beat Wake last year, although very different team for the Deacons this year. My C belongs to Florida State. Just because, again, I have nothing notable to talk about the Seminoles. Like, they lose 4-3 to Arizona State kickoff weekend. Lose in Starkville to Mississippi State. 7-2 and otherwise. 7-2, uh, and so 7-0 and otherwise. Beat Oklahoma, Florida. Did get a win over Mississippi State in the Revenge Regional Consolation match. I'll go C+. What say you? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of torn between, uh, you know, a B minus C+. Plus. It, it, if it wasn't just for the... The sort of stinker they laid that first for match against Mississippi State. It was 6-1. I said it after the match. Every single one of those matches was super tight and could have gone either way. And I said then I won't be surprised if they come back kickoff weekend and manage to beat Mississippi State. Granted, I thought that was going to be doing it for the championship, not the consolation match. Uh, but that's kind of the one that that bugs me. I Arizona State, I've talked about it. They can beat anybody on any given day with the with doubles, uh, Cassone, Bohr, McKinnon at one, two, three. Like that, that four right there is worthy of four points on any given day. So they're dangerous and they're going to bite a few people. Some solid wins, a solid win over Oklahoma, solid 4-0 over Florida. They got the revenge win over Mississippi State. I I think I'm actually I would probably lean be, they I think they've righted the ship from that first Mississippi State loss to say I'll give them a B minus. You're the authority on Florida State. I defer to you. South Carolina up next. They beat Virginia in Charlottesville, first match of the season. They make the national indoors. They go one and two overall. They're four and five right now overall in the season. Now the losses: NC State four three, Wake five two, Ohio State six one, A and M four one, Texas five zero. No horrible losses amongst that group, certainly, but obviously the biggest loss: no Connor Thompson for this group. James Story still battling with injuries. Samuel trying to find his footing. Your thoughts on the Gamecocks first third, Chris? Well, I incomplete I, almost. I have to use every letter. I'm sure as hell not giving San Diego an F. So this is my F. Uh, it, it, I just. It's almost incomplete. Yeah, I did. And but the problem is I just, I feel, I don't feel good about this team. I don't feel good about what they've done. I don't feel good about where they, where they're at. And I don't feel good about where they're going primarily because I see no end in the Connor Thompson injury at this point, I don't know if, uh, and that's the biggest question, if uh, or when we're ever going to see him back. Uh, story to me still does not look 100% healthy. Outside of that, they're playing some really young guys and Yolani Saar and Sean Daria Beggy. It's just, I, it's going to be rough. I expected a lot more 
from this team. I did not expect a team with a losing record at this point in the season. I think they can still be dangerous to some teams, but it's it hasn't been good, and I don't see a good outlook for them. So that that's my F. That's why it can't be an F for me because you mentioned they have two freshmen in the lineup. They dealt with so many different injuries, and they still went to Charlottesville and beat a Virginia with Rodesh in the lineup for three it's incomplete. Like, this is the single most confounding team. I don't know how good they are. There's clearly room for them to get a lot better. Coach Goffey is one of the most trusted and best coaches we have in this business, so I know they will get better. But, boy, do you have a lot of questions about them as we move through this season. How about number 16, San Diego? Wins over Arizona. Arizona State, Cal. Obviously a tight 4-3 loss to USC, but... Man, Oliver Tarvid at times has looked like the best player in the country. Chris Helios, are they an A, a last A for you as we round out our report card? Yeah, there's there's zero question they get an A. Like yeah. that, I mean, and at number 16, that's hard to say, but I did not have them on the top 16 radar coming into the season. Uh, and you know, they they lose a very, very tough kickoff weekend uh finale to to usc and then immediately turn around uh that next weekend and go uh and beat arizona and arizona state uh, that's just huge and look that the, the five or the 4-1 win over cal on the road i don't sleep on that that's a good that's a very solid win as well uh, and I think the only loss, if I remember correctly, there was Tarvid. I think Ryder Jackson beat Tarvid in three, if I'm not mistaken. And that's, but a very good schedule, a very, you know, very good set of results for these guys, way better than I would have expected. And for that, they get an A. They like errors, you know, they're dependent on the Arizona win, who's dependent on the Texas win. So top 16 is going to be a fight, but that team is deep. Again, I you would not want them in your region in the first two rounds of play. Chris Halioris, I got six other notable programs to hit as we rapid fire through. No explanation, just letter grades. Alabama. B. B plus. Michigan State. A. A plus. They're undefeated right now. I get the schedule uh, hasn't been the most rigorous, but man, 10-0 speaks for itself. Win over Pepperdine. Win over Middle Tennessee. Clemson, Vanderbilt. They have to be an A. They're a story. Stanford. F. Fair. Michigan. I can't give a D. <sighs> I mean, C, I suppose. USC. Oh, this is another one. I don't even feel good doing it. But I mean, with where they're at now, I got to give them an F. But I mean, they got out of kickoff weekend. Okay. Now with no staff, it's just bad. Yeah, you ready for this next one? Number 67, University of Florida. We don't need to say anything there. That is just a striking thing because that team is far more talented than that. They're going to rise as they get SEC play underway, but just worth noting where they're at right now. That said, those are your report cards through the first third of the season. Hopefully you learned where teams stand uh, through 2024 play thus far. That said, 
Quick look at the week ahead because it is post-indoors. We don't have that much on the schedule. Duke's at Harvard, 5 p.m. Friday. Uh, you've got uh, another good matchup, I believe, on Saturday. Ohio State back in action at Notre Dame on Sunday. Northwestern at Harvard. Pepperdine at A&M. Cal at Stanford. Oregon at San Diego. Uh, then, of course, as I mentioned earlier, we've got that Wednesday matchup. Ohio State at Baylor. Michigan at USC, by the way, Tuesday as well. Almost a must-have for both teams. Chris Hallioris, any thoughts on the week ahead before we wrap today's show? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say that I texted an uh, you know, anonymous relative of mine and said, <laughs> well, it's the de facto 0-4 indoors match. But, uh, <laughs> That's great. That's really good. <laughs> but it is the de facto 0-4 indoors funny. match, boys. <laughs> that's, that's uh, only two teams come out 0-3 for everybody that's not following. That was Michigan and USC. Those two teams get to play each other next. So We should so, do that yeah. match every year. I kind of love that. That should be the warm-up Monday match. It's like we're going to play this one at 10. The final is going to be at 2. <laughs> that would be that's great. Hilarious. I bet both 0-3 teams would sign up. They'd be like, yeah, we'll take another. Um, so that's actually hilarious. I love that. But again, we got some time, few spring break trips on the horizon, then conference play will be upon us before we know it. Hopefully next week we'll be back on YouTube, Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern time for the first time here this season. We only have so many weeks left, so we're going to get that up and running. I promise shortly a shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff. What sort of job does he do, Chris Halioris? Oh, of an editing job. Uh, day in, day out. Makes everything possible. So shout out to him. A shout out, of course, to all of you college tennis fans. Sincerely, it's the greatest pleasure to have the opportunity to interact with so many of you families like Chris. I know I shouldn't sing. I hate, I feel horrible singling out one family because every family was so kind, so generous, so loving. Cooper Williams' mom, the Krugs' mom, Mr. Tracy. Like, I can point to so many different people. Right now, and I, it just has to be said. And look, like if we want to fight over this spot at NCAAs or wherever I see people next, I'm open for the fight. But the Luchonics are legitimately my family, like at this point. Like it's not like a choice. It's like we're hugging one another. Like it's going to be a breakdown of how everything stands. You know, mom and dad are both going to ask, you're good, right, Alex? Like forget the tennis. You're healthy. You're safe. Brothers, hug. It's a three-brother family, I believe. And like that's me. Um, like it's six years now. I know them like my own Chris Hallioris and it's people like that, those sort of relationships that we get to form doing our job that like, that's why we did this. So shout out to everyone who made national indoor special final words belong to you. Well, I will say, yes, I, I know it's, it's the Lachonics right now, but if you, if you're going to have to step it up and win at NCAAs, the throne right now belongs to the Beasleys and you need to bring cookies. So <laughs> that's well said. If you can't beat some some fantastic cookies, the Beasleys maintain the throne. We're very bribable. Cookies gear, it's very easy to win our affection. I'll also say this is a stupid thing. Like the Luchonics are tall. And so I'm like, these are my people. I'm like, they're just Midwest men. I'm like, finally, I'm back home. Um, and so shout out to so, them. So the Sea Leagues are my people. No, they were there, by the way, in New York. I know. It was lovely to see them. And just that <laughs> Ohio State family more broadly. Again, they travel so well. I've gotten to know them so well over the years. So shout out to everyone who made it special. That said, for our fantastic Chris Hellior, super producer Daniel Westhoff, and everyone here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, 
great shot. And we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone.